Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Exodus chapter 27, verses 1 through 8. And we are looking at a portion of the book of Exodus, where God is instructing the people who have come out of slavery in Egypt how they are to be his people, and he is to be their God, um, moving forward into the land that he has promised to give them. And uh, so this is a part of those instructions. And before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we thank you for your word which you've given to us. Lord, we do ask that you would help us this morning as we hear your word read and proclaimed. Or to be those who have ears to hear, minds to think, and hearts that are ready to receive your word into our lives. Or that by your word and by your spirit, you make us ever more today into the people who have been, who we've been created to be in relationship with you through Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Exodus chapter 27, verses 1 through 8. Build an altar of acacia wood three cubits high. It is to be square, five cubits long and five cubits wide. Make a horn at each of the four corners so that the horns and the altar are of one piece and overlay the altar with bronze. Make all its utensils of bronze, its pots to remove the ashes and its shovels, sprinkling bowls, meat forks, and fire pans. Make a grating for it, a bronze network, and make a bronze ring at each of the four corners of the network. Put it under the ledge of the altar so that it is halfway up the altar. Make poles of acacia wood for the altar and overlay them with bronze. The poles are to be inserted into the rings so they will be on two sides of the altar when it is carried. Make the altar hollow out of boards. It is to be made just as you were shown on the mountain. Turning then to our gospel reading from Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 35. Jesus has been doing some amazing things. Uh, and then uh, John, is, John the Baptist has been uh, thrown in prison. And so, starting in verse 18, John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them uh, to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you. Or sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of, woman, of women, there is no one greater than John. 
Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Jesus went on to say, To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They're like children, sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other, We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we come to our uh, sermon text, it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and those of you who have been here through the uh, whole season of Advent are like, did he just say 14? Yes. We have been looking at 1 Corinthians 13 for the last uh, several weeks, and we are, we're moving on to chapter 14. And um, as we have mentioned previously, this is a section in the letter where Paul is writing to this church who is trying to follow Jesus, but they are in a culture that is not following Jesus, and that culture has certainly had an influence on the church. And, um, and so Paul is writing to them, helping them get back on track. And in that, there are likely some questions that they had asked, and he, we're kind of in that part of the letter where he's now addressing particular topics. And right now he's addressing a particular topic of the gifts of the Spirit. And particularly right here, we're looking at the gift of uh, tongues. And um, so we're going to read it. We'll talk about it. Here we go. It says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you? unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Okay. We read from the book of Exodus a little bit ago, and in the book of Exodus, we are looking at uh, when the, the people that God had promised 
to Abraham, his descendants, that he was going to bring them into a particular land down the road, and then instead they end up in Egypt and in slavery for hundreds of years. And so then uh, God raises up Moses and says, I'm going, through you, I'm going to bring my people out of slavery in Egypt, and I'm going to bring them into this land. And so that's what we see in the book of Exodus is them coming out of the land, and then they, he brings them to a mountain, and uh, Mount Sinai, and this is where he's giving them instructions uh, on, you will be my people, I will be your God. Here's how you are to live going forward. And uh, there are a lot of commands in there. These are the things that you are to do, etc. And uh, you might remember that the people, when they first start hearing what God is going, uh, what they are to do, they say, we will do it. (laughs) We're going to do all of that. And then you flip forward not very far, a couple more pages, and we see that, yeah, they didn't. And so then we, um, we move farther forward. And we get uh, through <laughs> Leviticus and Numbers and uh, lots more ups and downs. And then you get the book of Deuteronomy. And do you know what the book of Deuteronomy is? It is what we experience on days like today. Today is December 31st. It's New Year's Eve. And it's just, you know, hey, today's Sunday, tomorrow's Monday. What's the big deal? You know, you just kind of roll from one to the next. Except that it is kind of this marker. It is a marker from going from one year to the next, and it is one of those times where you sort of take stock of where you've been, how things have gone, what decisions you have made that were good, what decisions you have made that maybe you wish you hadn't made, and then you look forward, and you go, okay, based on what, what has gone, how do I want things to go? And so a day like today, a lot of people are doing that at the same time. The book of Deuteronomy is exactly that. But instead of just being, you know, from one year to the next, it was at the end of a 40-year period where they had not been in the land, and now they are going to go into the land. And so Moses gets everybody together, and he's like, don't forget. (laughs) Don't forget where you've been, the things that you've done. Don't forget who God is and what he has done and why he's brought you this far. Don't forget. Because you're going to go in to this, uh, into this land, and you will be tempted to forget. And if you do, you will do things that you should not do. And, um, of course, you read farther forward, and they go into the land, and they forget. And they do things they should not do. And we see this uh, pattern kind of over and over biblically, where people... Um, don't make good choices. And it seems like there are two primary reasons there. Uh, there are a lot of other ones thrown in. But especially as we're looking at that particular section, there are a couple that just keep coming back again and again. And one is that the people are forgetful. Very, very easily forgetful. Very quickly forgetful. And the second is so easily scared. And when you combine those two, (laughs) it just gets so easy to turn away from God, doesn't it? You get into a situation, you get scared, you forget what God has done before, that you're like, I know he, if I remembered, I would know he'd get me through this. It's not a problem. I wouldn't be scared. You know, he's with me, right? 
This is what David says in the, uh, Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. If we remembered that, even as we're facing the scary stuff, we need to be afraid. When we forget that, and then we face a scary situation, we panic. <laughs> and we become like sheep without a shepherd. And this is what we see again and again and again. Now, is that just how they were then? Or is that how we are now? Easily, quickly forgetful of who God is, his faithfulness, the things he's done in this world, the things he's done in our lives. Are we those who are easily scared? Today, I mentioned December 31st, New Year's Eve. It's a good time to look back and to ask ourselves these questions. What has God done? What have I already forgotten? Or what am I about to completely forget (laughs) unless it gets refreshed? Again and again, we have these encouragements to uh, remember not to forget, to refresh and go over again. Hebrews chapter 2 says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. So as we look at this uh, next year, we don't want to drift away. We want to remember. So I don't know if you're the uh, New Year's resolution-making type or not. If you are, maybe resolve this year to do things that will help you to remember Remember who God is and what he's done uh, in your life, but really since the beginning. Remember, if you are not the resolution-making type, eh, you can just uh, make a commitment today to do it anyway. (laughs) Whether it's New Year's resolution or just a personal commitment to, this is is what I want to do going forward. I, I want to be someone who remembers, and I want to be someone who doesn't forget and get scared. I mention all this because of what we see in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. It's very similar to what happens in Matthew 19, I think it is, where uh, people ask Jesus about divorce. And do you remember how he answers it? Like, is it right for someone to get divorced for any and every reason? And he doesn't say yes or no. Instead, he says, and I'm doing a lot of paraphrasing here. You can look it up later. (laughs) But instead, he says, what is marriage? Why do we have that? Because until you go there, you can't really answer the rest of it, can you? And this seems to be something that he keeps coming after with people. And and everybody wants to, and we get this a lot uh, through the rest of the New Testament as well. Like we, We want a quick answer. Just tell me. Do I do this? Do I not do that? Just give me that. And instead, it's like, yeah, yeah. I'd tell you that if you were like two or three years old. You're an adult. I want you to think. I want you to think like an adult. I want you to think. I want you to grow up in the faith and begin to discern what you ought to be doing because of who God is and what he's been doing and therefore um, how you are 
to live in this particular situation. This uh, is similar to some of the laws that you see actually in, uh, in the Old Testament where there will be like this super weird and specific law. And it's like, well, if a, if a bull has gored someone and then you know, put it to, you're like, okay, well, I'm not in that situation. Like I don't have a bull that gored somebody, but you know, my you know, donkey just keeps kicking everyone. What, what, what do I do? I guess that was not covered. So we have no guidance. It's like, no, you do. You totally do. What you're supposed to do is learn what this is about. Why would this be the case? Now apply that to your case. And the same thing here. What is the purpose? And therefore, how do you live? So we come to the issue of speaking in tongues and we do it. We come to this issue with lots of historical baggage. And we probably have uh, people that we know, friends or family or whatever, with differing views on this particular topic. And so we come to this topic, and if, if you don't, then you know, wait a while, you probably will. <laughs> but uh, we come to this topic often with a lot of sort of preloaded, here are my arguments, here's why my side is right and your side is wrong on how we have handled this particular topic. Interestingly, the church in Corinth was having an issue with speaking in tongues. Paul spends multiple chapters on this topic. And what he does is he says, and again, lots of paraphrasing here, what he does is basically say, that is one of the spiritual gifts. It is given to the church. It is given for a purpose. What reason is there for God to be gifting the church with any of the gifts? And so we look in chapter 12, and he says, in chapter 12, it's one of the gifts. But there are lots of gifts. And all of these gifts, the purpose is for them to work together, right? And then we just spend a lot of time on chapter 13, because he pauses in this conversation to say, if no matter what gift you have, if you don't have love, it's nothing. That is the central thing. And then he comes back to it now in chapter 14. And how does he start as he comes back to this topic? Follow the way of love, right? In other words, just like what we've been talking about, being sort of like on this threshold, like what we saw in Deuteronomy, what we see in um, New Year's Eve kind of moments, that as he's getting ready to address this topic again, he says, don't forget what we just talked about. Don't forget where we just were. Don't forget the things of love. Actually, you follow the way of love, and that will lead you in the right direction as you look at how you're supposed to be applying this. As you look at how to handle this particular topic, if what we do is we say, well, we've turned the page, we're on a new year, we're on a new chapter, we're whatever, and you just sort of cut that out, and you go, okay, we'll just take this fresh. Then you've missed the whole thing. The reason he stopped and paused to spend so much time on love itself and what it looks like and how it's different than how the culture defines it, it is what Jesus looks like. And then he says, okay, now let's go back to this topic. Don't forget where we've been. Follow the way of love. That's how we're actually going to apply this. And so he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. It's one of the ways that we could handle the whole issue of God gifting the church for a purpose is to say, well, 
that kind of gets messy and we don't really understand it. So let's just, uh, yeah, let's just reject all those gifts. No, thank you. And it's like, no, 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 that's not it. He actually has given them for a purpose. So eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. He says, especially prophecy. And then we get this uh, sort of contrast between, um, between prophecy and tongues and the way in which he's talking about these uh, tongues as kind of this uh, way that praying to God in, um, in a way that you see in Romans chapter um, 8. Verse 26, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And so he says, we have these mindless groans. We don't even know, like some of you who are like, I don't, I would never say I have the gift of tongues. And yet, you may have been in a situation where you're like, God, I don't even know what to pray for. I just, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, just, I want you to do something and I don't know what to say and I don't know, but, but I'm here with you and you're here with me. You know, right? You know. <laughs> and apparently there's a way that this is uh, vocalized. And God knows what this means. Even if you don't know what it means, you kind of know what it means, but you don't know what it means anyway. And as he's talking about this, he doesn't say that's a bad thing. He says that's a good thing. It's a good thing that God has gifted the church in a way where there's this communication that happens between God and his people. It's great. But, but I'd rather that you have the gift of prophecy. What is that? When he talks about that is... Uh, not in the sense of telling the future, here's how things are going to go. Gesture the wrong way. All morning long, future's been over here. Whatever, anyway. Uh, Talking about future, it's not that. It's more of the reminding people (laughs) uh, of who God is and what he's been doing and therefore preparing them for the future and for today. This is one of the things we see most in the uh, Old Testament prophets is as you see uh, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, as Moses tells the people, these are the things that you are to do when you go into the land. If you do these things, here's how it's going to go. If you don't do these things, here's how it's going to go. And those are two very, very different roads. One you want to go down, the other you do not want to go down. And then what happens is the people continue to go down the one they do not want to go down. And then what the prophets do is remind them Remind them of what God had said and then reminding them of where they are and holding those two up next to each other and saying, you got to turn around. You're on the wrong road. That's what we see uh, mostly from the prophets. There is some uh, future telling kind of stuff and sometimes then we get that in our head that that's what prophets do. Mostly what they do is just call out people and say, here's where we are, but here's what God has said. Are we on track or are we not on track? What Paul is doing with the church in Corinth is a letter that is prophetic in that sense. He's saying, your culture 
is different than the way of following Jesus. And you keep getting off track and you're following your culture instead of following Jesus. And so what he's, this whole letter is about is uh, getting back on track, following the way of Jesus. And as he puts it here, follow the way of love. Selfless, sacrificial service for the good of others in the way of Jesus. And so this is why he actually says that he'd rather uh, have people, he says, in verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. Why? How would he rather have us prophesy than speak in tongues? It's because of what he says in verse, uh, verses 2 through 4. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. This is why he then says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. What are we seeing? What's the common uh, denominator here? It's the common purpose of the gifts. It's to build up, right? It says the gift of tongues builds up the individual. The gift of prophecy builds up the church. So why is it that he's wanting everybody to have the gift of prophecy? Build up the church. It's, it is something that is not uh, self-centered. It is others-centered and is not, uh, well, leave it at that. He goes on and gives a few Uh, illustrations of the same concept. Brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you? Do you hear that? If I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you? What is the way of love? Asking that question. What good will I be to you? What good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. If you go all the way back to Genesis, all the way back to Genesis uh, chapter 11, you have the Tower of Babel. And in the tower, at the Tower of Babel, you have people who are trying to build up a tower in order to make a name for themselves. And God comes down and confuses their language, and the project stops. They wanted to not be scattered over the face of the earth, but then they get the confused language and they end up scattered everywhere. Why were they scattered? Just because they had different languages. 
Communication is important, right? Being able to understand each other is important. And they could not continue with the project they were uh, attempting if they couldn't understand each other. Paul's saying the same thing here. If what you are doing is getting together and then speaking in languages you don't understand each other, how's this going to build up the church? Now, you fast forward from Genesis 11 and you get all the way to Acts chapter 2. After Jesus has been born and lived and died and raised again, and he said, I will send the Spirit. And when the Spirit comes, this is Acts chapter 2, it's the first thing that we see happen. We see tongues. <laughs> Form of languages that people can understand. Why? That people can understand. Why? <laughs> so that the church would be built up. Right? This is um, communication, clear communication. This is what is important. Why is this important? Because the focus is building up, strengthening, encouraging, helping people to get back on track uh, when they've gone astray. All those kinds of things. The Word of God um, is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And when the Word of God comes into our lives, it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But if we don't hear it, if we don't understand it, what good is it? And so, as he comes to this topic, and there will be more on this topic, he has uh, spent quite a bit of time kind of hitting over and over and over again. What are the purposes of the gifts? How are you to actually apply the gifts in relationship with others? One body, many parts. Lots of different gifts, one church. Lots of different people, but one love. And it's that love of Christ for us that we are supposed to be uh, communicating to each other. And we will uh, look next week as to how that then applies uh, more broadly even than that. Today is December 31st. There's a lot of stuff that's happened this last year that we have already forgotten. It's just gone. I had uh, one of those photo memories things that popped up on my phone and it was like, oh, this was a year ago. What was that? I have a hard time even remembering back that far. The older I get, the harder that gets. Some of you know what I'm talking about. So today is December 31st. 
there are a lot of things uh, that we've already forgotten. As we go into this new year, the question I have is, what are we putting in place to make sure we don't forget what is most important? How can we ensure that the things that are essential are the things that actually do stay top of the mind? How do we make sure that we remember what it means to love like Jesus? And then for us to actually follow the way of love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we do thank you for your word which you've given to us. God, we do ask that you would help us. Help us to not be so quickly forgetful of what is important. Help us to forget the things uh, that you would like us to forget. Help us to remember the things that you would like us to remember. We ask that you would continue to form us and shape us by your word and by your spirit. We ask that you would help us to be those who help each other, to follow you well. Or we ask that you would comfort and strengthen and encourage us as we walk into this new year. And we pray that you'd help us to walk into this year as those who have learned from what has gone before, who walk in this new year with you at our sides. Lord, I pray this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.